ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Whatevery episode 46. I think uh, so. Yeah. I don't have show notes this week, so uh, I'm just winging it, hopefully. Nobody wrote any this week. No. We, uh, we've been remiss in our show note duty, but like we said before, this uh, summer's been kind of slow, and then I had some technical problems this week, so I didn't do much comic book reading, uh, uh, you know, because I was just trying to get the other shows out, so um, we do have a little bit of news. We've got uh, a picture from uh, Wally and the Flash suit from season three. Which, oh, the Flash. Yeah, looks rad. Yeah. And uh, we've got a couple of other things to talk about. We uh, totally put Pokemon Go in the show notes last week and then did not talk about it at I all. I think I did a terrible Al Pacino impression at the beginning of that topic, and then we were just like, and so then we're going to talk about this now. Yeah, and now here's some other stuff, and we're not coming back to that at all. Um, we've got a couple comic books we read this week, and uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's start there. Let's see where we go from there. Um, yeah, well, I mean, let's, let's talk about technical problems first. Yeah. Okay. So the fun thing about hard drives, folks, if you're sitting at home, uh, is that they die. Um, eventually all hard drives do go yeah. onto that great big server array in the sky. Yeah. And it's not like any, any nerd I think knows this at, the, at this point, but, um, uh, it's not a question of if, but when, like you treat all data, like it is eventually going to go. So my backup policy has been something like, uh, or, you know, my, my whole technical setup is most of my drives are just regular old drives. I haven't set up a RAID array or anything like that to, you know, handle failover or anything like that. This is, this is where Eddie is kind of the worst computer nerd ever because I know I, know. I have a RAID array managing my stuff. Yeah. So I haven't done that because uh, the only things <laughs> that I care about the, enough to actually make a backup of, you know, like, and wait to download if, if it goes down um, enough that, uh, um, you know, that I'm not, you know, that I can't just re-download off the internet or something like that is, uh, you know, like family photos and shit like that. So I essentially have one disc I care about. And of course that's the one that failed, but fortunately that's also the one that had a, a good backup. So, um, you know, the problem is I'm too lazy to set everything up again uh, and, you know, all the sync mechanisms and what have you. Yeah. Until now, my, my, my wonderful friend Matt here just handed me a couple of new, uh, a couple of more two terabyte discs. So when I get home, I'm going to pop those in there and hopefully start building an array and then move from there. You're going to have to reformat those. Yeah, I'm sure I will. FYI. Yeah. Because they're actually exactly duplicates of my current yeah. NAS array. Well, actually, that's funny because that's coming out of you, you, your NAS, I'm sure, is Linux based. So it, it could is. potentially have an, um, a, a file system there I might actually want to use, but no, I'll probably just start over. Um, yeah, and these drives are from my, like we just talked about my NAS. I have a QNAP. Um, yep. I think it's a T253 Pro. Mm -hmm. It's only a two-bay, but uh, I dig it. I've got it in a mirrored RAID, and I just upgraded to from two terabyte disks to six terabyte disks in it, um, which took roughly the last 48 hours. Yeah. See, that's um, the other reason that I've been a little lazy on setting up their array is that... Um, you know, it can be quite time consuming to actually get the damn thing going. Yeah. What's nice about it, though, is at this point, uh, because my array is set, uh, if I do have a disk fail, it'll run in degraded mode and I still have access to all my files while I find a, a replacement drive and then swap that in and it'll yeah. start rebuilding the drive. Yep. So um, I, I, I'm going to figure, I'm going to hopefully try to figure out a good, easy ish solution to set up over the weekend, uh, probably next weekend. And I'm hoping now, of course, the other problem with setting up an array is uh, you got to have enough free space to move that onto and then actually build the array out of. So it'd be nice to find something flexible enough that I could add, add disks as we go. 
yeah. um, without too much trouble. Because that's what I'd probably do. I'd start with these two drives, or I th- I'm sure I have enough. I could free up another drive, and then you know, stick those in the array, and then copy everything over, and then grow the array a little bit more, and copy everything over. Yeah, if your if your um, uh, server supports it, mm. I would go with RAID six. Yeah. Well, uh, I do have actually a pretty solid um, uh, LSI RAID card in there that runs that whole uh the the whole uh external storage array thingy um i just don't use any of the fancy features on it it's just basically running pass through uh straight to the 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 operating system and the operating system just treats it as regular old disks uh mostly out of laziness because i didn't want to figure out how to do that yet but i think i think it's time i think i kind of have this folks is called a jbod raid which is a form of raid but jbod literally stands for just a bunch of disks yeah i'm not even sure that uh this isn't even a really a, a raid at all because there's no redundancy whatsoever. I mean, it is just like, you know, if you daisy chained or not daisy chained, but just chained a bunch of, you know, external hard drives off your PC, like that, that is essentially what I have just in a little bit of a nicer box. It, it reads it as one disc though, right? No. Well, that's true, I guess, kind of. Yeah. So that's, there's that's... no redundancy involved. It just got a nice uh, storage pool merging feature <clears> thingy. <throat> Um, which is merge FS if you're curious that that, that I chose because it's wicked easy to set, set up even if you're um, so like I know I know enough Linux to be dangerous um, and I'm, I feel pretty comfortable there but I haven't really messed with the whole enterprise grade feature kind of stuff so uh, that's the next thing to figure out I guess I actually have 10 terabytes in my in my machine yeah. that are um, it's two discs it's a six and a four that I have reading as a JBOD mm-hmm. but there's nothing important on that yeah that's just hey Put a bunch of shit here. Yeah, see, that was the other thing, I, and I guess this is a good discussion or good question to ask you. Is I wasn't, I want to maximize. You know, like I'm, I'm somewhat cheap. This is this is a very poor man setup here, so I don't I don't want to um, worry too much about one drive failing and having the whole thing go down or something like that. But once you get into these uh, big raids, uh, once you get into raids, you know, with multiple discs, I think with this it'll end up probably being around 14 terabytes and probably spread across five or six discs. Yeah, um, if you did a raid six, you'd lose. 30% of that, 35% yeah. of that. But I think I get enough space, free space I could eat that and then, you know, deal with the redundancy of it. And since, you know, it is, you know, as long as you choose a fairly decent software solution, you can pop in another disk at any time. And I've got plenty of, like, that is the one nice thing is I, I it's a 15 or, no, I think it's a 16 bay enclosure. So I've got plenty of space. What's nice about six too is they don't have to be the same size discs. I mean, obviously, if one fails, you have to replace that disc with a disc that was at least that big. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the time, you want to go bigger, so that way it. Oh yeah, that's always. I mean, the the what um you know I, I that's the other reason I need RAID is because kind of what ends up happening is you know situations like this where I'm picking up a couple drives from you are usually you know like if I upgrade upgrade the drive in my main rig then that drive goes down into you know. So I end up, I, I've got a lot of these old, old, you know, one and two terabyte things left over, but they're getting kind of old and I think it's time for a raid just, you know, to protect from that. So anywho, storage so, nerdery aside, yeah. um, yeah, big data getting, getting complicated. It is. I, I can't wait till we just have, you know, 10 terabyte disks and then I'll fill those up in like a week and then I'll be like <clears throat> bitching cause we don't have 20 terabyte disks. The problem with a 10 terabyte disk is getting 10 terabytes on a on a disc that's made out of essentially still like physical platters because yeah. that's why the, I mean the six terabyte I have in my machine is a helium drive yeah specifically because otherwise there's too much friction involved and they fail I can't what are, what is our maximum now I think we've got an eight gigabyte 
or not gig eight eight terabyte i think we got an eight terabyte max on a single drive right I now i think hgst hgst does a 10 oh really in the in the helium drives yeah, yeah that's that's sick but they're probably like even even for spinning discs they're probably still pretty spendy oh god yeah, I mean, we could look it up at some point, but yeah. Yeah, I, I'd guess 600 bucks, 700 bucks, something like that. <coughs> Probably. Yeah, um, that's the other thing. Like, it, it takes a little while, but like even, you know, last year I was buying three terabyte drives for uh, right around $100, and they're they're down to 75 bucks sometimes, so. Yeah, I think the ones I just put in the NAS were like 250 a pop or something like that. Not bad. And those are NAS drives, sp- yeah. like specific, so. See, that's the other thing I need to do, too, desperately, is start upgrading all these drives into, you know, specific to NAS sort of application drives you know the reds are um i think is it the constellations from seagate that's what those are yeah the, are those the their their nas line uh the they're, they're not so much nas as they are as close to server grade as you can get without going full scuzzy gotcha so all right so nerdery aside actually let's move <laughs> into another you know semi-controversial topic if you're like one of 12 people that don't play it uh pokemon go uh, we didn't talk at all about Pokemon Go last week, even though it was in our show notes. But uh, gosh, ha- hasn't this thing taken like an unnaturally large uh, <coughs> takeoff so far? Yeah. Um, so I don't like walking. Neither do I. And I've walked quite a bit in the last two weeks. No, yeah, so have I. Like exact same thing. Like I'm not active at all, but you know, like my watch. So I've got you know the the, the step county thing on my watch, and it, it's it's like, dude, what the hell's going on? Like it, this must be an error because you know. <laughs> service mode activated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I function. Um, you never walk ten thousand steps. Yet. The wife wanted to go to the beach yesterday and and like walk up and down the beach, and I'm like, all right, I bet you I can catch some water type Pokemon over by the beach. <laughs> So the other thing, okay. So this is this is one funny aspect of this game for me. Uh, number one, I'm not a walker. Uh, when this game was called Ingress, uh, maybe it was just because Ingress didn't have enough critical mass that I was like, oh, I got to check that out. Like I probably would have liked Ingress just as much. Uh, but B, I'm not a Pokemon player at all. Like I have all next to note. Like this is the first real experience I've ever had playing with Pokemon. And outside of you know the like Pikachu, I wouldn't have been able to name a single other one. Um, probably well maybe maybe a couple more because there's enough that are popular enough that they fit the nerd lexicon but so i've never really played pokemon before Uh, i'm definitely not a fitness nut or anything like that or somebody who's like oh gosh i got to get out and walk tonight or blah 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 but i do find myself looking for excuses especially now like uh like now when i park my car I'm like, well, I'll park in the back side of the parking lot and then that way i'll have a chance to you know walk towards the store and then see if there's anything out there or um You know, like when I'm leaving work or something like that, I don't, I don't, I won't just walk straight to the car. I'll walk around the block first and then go get in the car. Uh, the other thing I find myself doing too is anytime I go to the grocery store, like normally I'm like a straight line, you know, like shortest distance is a straight line type of guy. And now I find myself driving, you know, like three miles out of the way to hit as many stops as I can get before I get to the store. Yeah. Um, and so for those of you wondering what language we're speaking, um, yeah, there's, there's really three main objectives of this game. Number one, you catch Pokemon. And to do that, you have Pokeballs. But you have a finite supply of Pokeballs. Yep. And so you need to stop at... Well, so there's two ways you can acquire Pokeballs. You can spend cash money on the game and buy Pokecoins. Yep. And you can use those coins to buy more Pokeballs. Yep. Or uh, specific locations all throughout the city, whatever city you're in, I guarantee, um, 
are designated Pokestops, not in real life. Like, you don't actually walk into the store and be like, hey, I'm here for some Pokeballs. Cause, <laughs> That'd be weird. Because then it'd be like, go outside with the rest of the fucking losers, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, But, you know, in this augmented reality game, uh, you walk up to those locations and you spin a little disc and it spits shit out at you. You can get Pokeballs, potions, revives. There's a lot of stuff that comes out of those. Eggs. Yeah. Yep. So in its simplest form, it, you know, Matt's entirely correct. You go around town, you walk around, and on your map, a little Pokemon will appear. You click it, you throw a ball at it, you catch it, hopefully, and then you repeat that process. So that in itself is probably not that rewarding. And so the, one of the main reasons you want to catch all these Pokemon is because the other big objective of the game is competing at gyms. So they have these things called gyms uh, around town, which... Um, are not nearly as frequent as Pokestops, but you can go to a gym and you can do things like compete. So you put your Pokemon up against another guy's Pokemon and try to beat it. And so there's lots of things you can do to level up your Pokemon. Um, you can catch better Pokemon. You know, of course, that's probably the easiest way. Um, and so Pokestops help with that because you can go pick up all that shit Matt just said, you know, the eggs and whatever that will help you, um, you know, evolve your Pokemon and make them more powerful and so on and so forth. And then you go fight it, fight with them at gyms. Um, but, you know, the vast majority for me, like, I think I, I stopped at a gym once and I got my ass kicked and then I kept walking. Um, so the biggest thing for me has just been walking around, catching Pokemon and seeing what I can find and, you know, hitting up Pokestops and so on and so forth, which is crazy to me because, like, it's completely at this point, like, I'm, there's no objective. Like, I just like going out and walking and catching Pokemon. It just it's something enough. It's something entertaining enough for me to actually get off my ass. Yeah. The, the cool thing about the gyms, too, is... When you when you hit level five and you go to a gym for the first time, I mean you can go to a gym before you're level five. They'll just kick you out and tell you you can't be yeah, back until like, you're level five. Come back, child. You're, yeah, yeah. So when you first go, you have to pick what team you're going to align with. And there's Team Yellow, Team Red, Team Blue. I don't remember what all the names are. There's I think mystic, Red is Red is mystic. Valor, Blue is Mystic because we're Mystic. Yep. And Intellect, then, I think maybe. Yeah, Yellow some like team like Team Brainy Kid, Team Spirit. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. The cool thing is, is if the gym is not owned by you, the or by your team, the objective is obviously to beat the fuck out of all the Pokemon that are in there, yeah, um, and take it over. And you have a you you get to to put together a team of of six of your most powerful Pokemon to do that. If the team already is owned by you, you battle against the people that are already there, and it actually builds your gym's prestige up to the point where you can eventually add another Pokemon to it, and then you get to put one of your Pokemon in there. Um, and if one of your Pokemon is in the gym, uh, once per day, you actually get to collect Pokecoins and uh, Stardust and whatnot, specifically from the gym. Nice. Um, and that's really basically the, the gist of it. Yeah. Um, so the, the game is uh, alarmingly simple. Like, there's a couple of things that I think are obvious areas for possible expansion. Uh, number one of them being... Um, there's almost no surprisingly there's very little social in the actual game itself like no. really weirdly um the the vast majority of the social aspect of the game is just walking around seeing some other jackass staring at their phone flicking the thing and going dude what team are you on uh and and you know that whole thing or you, you catch anything good lately so that's really weird number like um you actually like the social built into this game is essentially you know like real world social uh things like you run into players you you talk to people and so on yeah so that that i think is one of the biggest most interesting things about this and i'm not sure that they'll increase or uh you know improve that in some way in a future um you know update or something like i could very easily see like you know when when i started playing mass like okay go you gotta choose team blue 
I was like, okay, sure. And then as far as I can tell, aside from holding gyms, there's not really a whole lot else to it. Like you'd think there would, you know, like you might coordinate in the app or you might be able to message your friend or something or um, use that in some way, like some trade mechanism or something like that would be a thing that I could think of being in place. And so far, none of that exists yet. Um, the game is entirely simplistic in that. And like, there's not a lot to do. Like, and here's the thing. There's a power saver mode on it. Which basically means if it's turned on, you turn your phone upside down and it kind of blacks the screen out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't run in the background. So if your screen actually shuts down, mm-hmm. uh, like your backlight timer goes out or whatever, then it just kind of freezes and then you don't do anything with it. So that's I'd, I'd like that to be improved a little bit. Yeah. One of the things that drives me nuts, and I think this is the other, like, um, you know, I think talk about it as it relates to, you know, the phenomenon, the phenomenon that it's turned into, which is that uh that that is actually kind of an annoying thing like it doesn't run in the background at all so almost every time i go into the game even if i you know like i pop out send a text message and then go back in a lot of the times the game has to relaunch and right now relaunching is very it's very hit, hit or miss yeah. yeah like sometimes it's just not going to launch and then secondarily when it does launch it still takes like it what seems like forever mhm um their servers are super taxed because this caught on i think way more quickly than people thought it was going to Oh yeah, it didn't it add something like seven billion dollars to Nintendo's market cap over the In a weekend. Week. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it it's been a crazy huge phenomenon. So that that's another big aspect of this game that I really want to talk about a little bit is um, I cannot believe what a humongous game this has turned out to be uh, because we've already had a game like this. We've already had probably more than one game like this, but it is very much Ingress. Like this is made by the same company that made Ingress. Uh, if you played Ingress before, just map, you know, portal equal gym in your mind. And now you know where all the port the gyms are. If you play Pokemon go, um, same thing, Pokestops are similarly related. Um, I, I think I can't remember what they're called in Ingress, but there's a similar mechanism and, and the gameplay is very similar too. like, I had a buddy who played Ingress before it was like, um, a while back and you know he'd talk about the same sorts of things you know we wandered around downtown we caught that portal which is you know took over the gym um and pokey speak um and all that kind of stuff but this game has just dwarfed anything ingress had hoped to accomplish by you know like a thousand times um so that that's sort of interesting to me like i i guess pokemon is probably part of that magic formula yeah it's gotta be i mean i remember um pokemon caught on pretty big with kids in what 91 somewhere around there no not that late 99 yeah i was gonna say it's got to be later than that because i i think it started being a thing when i was in like middle school or high school so i think it was 99 yeah i don't remember but um the original games were red and blue i believe i have no idea and uh, like i said this is my first actual pokemon anything yeah this is funny too because like you are totally way closer in, in, in age to the Pokemon generation yeah. than me, but 96. Yeah, that was actually a really weird thing. I think we talked about this off the show, but one of the things that I've noticed that's, uh, like, immediately, like, it, within the first weekend it came out or something like that, is I had people, like, people were saying, you know, to me, are you playing this game yet? And I'm like, well, no. But, I mean, everybody knows I'm a nerd, so it's not, like, any surprise to me that they would think I would be into something like Pokemon. But I'm like, well, no, not really. And then the people who are asking me, it's like, but you're not like this is definitely not a thing that I would picture you being into, uh, but but it turns out like this is way past just general nerdery into you know like the mainstream space now. So yeah, so it was ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. They started out with red and green; those were the original games, mm-hmm. and then they added blue the next year, and then after that came Pokemon Yellow. And with Pokemon Yellow, you actually had a Pikachu from the beginning, and he followed you around. Yeah, and that game was selling on 
eBay for like hundreds of dollars because it was it sold out so quickly. Yeah. So I think you add that kind of that kind of hype and brand familiarity with a game which is in a fairly new technology and augmented reality. Mm-hmm. Um, which the deal is, is I only kind of use half augmented reality because I have my camera shut off on my phone because it seems like the game runs better if I'm not using the camera you know, all the time. I, uh, I think we talked about this off air too, but I run, I'm running the iOS 10 beta and augmented reality doesn't work on it at all. So I haven't been running it at all. And I don't really think I'm missing anything. Like it's a neat little... Um, uh, uh, ad feature, but the core mechanics of the game are pretty much all the same, and I'm not no. even sure when I get to it, I'm gonna really turn the. I, I might not even turn it on when it's available. You're still augmented in the fact that like you're wandering around. Oh yeah, yeah, and like you the know. GPS functions all mm-hmm. seem to be fine. Exactly, but um, so in that term, yeah, I, I think that has to do with success. Like, what's weird? So like, there was three people in a in a in a green Honda Civic parked outside my house the other day. Yeah battling at the gym because I, I literally like there's a church so close to me that yeah like you, you it, it's it's a gym so i don't actually have to leave. throw a rock and hit it like mm-hmm. from where i'm sitting yeah and like i joked with my wife about like running out on the front steps with a shotgun yeah <laughs> you're like team mystic bitches get the fuck out you know, yeah like, and and then i saw a video the next morning of, of that. two dudes like beating the fuck out of each other over a pokemon gym and i was like eh, maybe i was a little close to home <laughs> yeah um okay so that's the second weird phenomenon uh this game has attracted some very odd behaviors from humanity uh which shouldn't come as any surprise because humanity is a very odd species we suck we do we really do so there's there's really two or three categories of people who absolutely are the worst when it comes to anything related to this game number one are the people who are shitty that play the game so that would be the two assholes or you know several assholes fighting over you know gyms and shit like that like it's just a game bro let's just go have fun wander around catch the gym pass it back and forth you know like like it's meant to be traded back and forth it's kind of one of the aspects of the game uh so what the hell's wrong with you the second type of person who's a complete asshole playing this game are the people who do not pay the, what the fuck uh, attention they're doing. You know, like the game, you know, there's only a five second splash screen when you start it up that says, you know, always be mindful of your surroundings. Yeah. But you are literally most of the time walking around with your phone in your hand looking for, you know, Pokemon kind of watching the phone and hopefully paying attention to where you're going. But there's always already been a bunch of odd incidents, like a couple of teenagers walked off a cliff trying to catch a Pokemon. Uh, we've had a couple of, I'm sure there's been at least one or two car accidents. We've had other, you know, sort of related person walked into traffic uh, kind of bullshit with the game, which to me is interesting because it seems like uh, the media is really trying to make this like, oh my gosh, look at what they did. Uh, but you know, you wouldn't say that if it was for those else. of us who follow the teachings of Darwin, we call this natural selection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, that, that's the second, although I will say, uh, parents, small kids, um, my daughter, like they both have gotten the same instruction, uh, you know, as far as crossing streets and shit like that. And my daughter's really good about it. My son is not like that kid is exactly the type of kid who would just wander in, into traffic unprovoked. So if you got young kids playing this like 10 or less, you probably might want to supervise a few trips with them and make sure they actually are paying attention to what the fuck they're doing. Cause that actually probably, you know, I just catch that away as good parenting sort of advice. Even better idea, honestly. And this works for me for the most part. My kids have phones that are they don't have cell service like yep. So there's no mobile data. So if they want to play, they have to stay within Wi-Fi range, which means they can't wander too far away. And it's fine because like it does. Like you can wander around the backyard and catch Pokemon all you want. 
Yeah, that's what and we've we've been. Um, we just play on my phone, so like we'll go and and we we made some you know simple rules like when we run into a Pokemon, we take turns around who gets to go first, and then you each get three tosses, and if you don't catch it, it goes to the next player, and then the next player, and so on and so forth, and then you know we take turns, you know like whichever kid gets the Pokestop, the next kid gets to try it later, and so on and so forth. So, um, and that okay, and that brings me to the third group of shitty people surrounding this game, which is the I don't play Pokemon Go, and you're a retard for playing it. I can't believe how stupid this is you're wrong there's another shitty type of person oh okay we're getting to a fourth one then we'll we'll call that the bonus round yeah uh, so go go ahead and continue and then we'll the 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 third type of shitty person surrounding the pokemon go phenomenon are the i don't play it and everybody who plays it are idiots sort of bullshit person and the reason that's bullshit is you know what i don't do on a regular basis i don't regularly go on walks with my kids until the last week or two and sure you can sit there and say i'm a shitty father uh whatever but the fact is that this game has got uh, me doing things with my kids as a family, which I always chalk up as a win, uh, especially, you know, because th- there's plenty of activities you can do, but there's very few that one of the three of us or four of us, if you want to include the little one or, you know, five of us with my wife, there's very few activities that uh, a certain number of us are not forcing ourselves to do. Like, I can play board games with the kids, but honestly, I'm just doing that because I want to, you know, have some activities with my kids. I hate actually playing board games and shit like that. Well, but here's I do it the thing: they like, like board it. games, especially with kids, um, go one of two ways. Either like they're really into it, mm-hmm. and so the game it's actually somewhat entertaining the entire time, or um, they get distracted after the first few rounds, and mm-hmm. then like it's like pulling teeth to get them to take their turn in a timely fashion. And by the time the thing's over, you want to put a gun in your mouth and just end it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, movies are the same kind of way. Like we we watch kid movies and stuff like that. And you know, don't get me wrong, I like I like plenty of kid movies, like the Pixar movies and shit like that. You I could watch the hell out of those. Yeah, I could I could watch Tang. Uh, you know those. Uh, what is that one called? Um, Frozen. Frozen. I could watch Frozen. I could watch Tangled. That's fine. Um, but there's like for every one of those that come out, there's about 15 <coughs> completely stupid, retarded ass kids movies that again, you know, gun in your mouth level of just what do I got to do to get out of this place? Yeah. Uh, end it all. So, um, you know, there's not a lot of activities I think that are kind of whole, like the whole family will enjoy. Um, and my kids definitely love this. And, you know, as much as it sounds like, you know, like you're a crazy person, you know, like we get to go walking through strange neighborhoods at night and, you know. Play with our phones. So, so without mentioning names, Eddie's brother-in-law, David. Um, is, I think he's kind of on board because uh, his girlfriend now is playing. Um, yeah, but he still seems to be like he is. Uh, it, Ashley's it, the same. It's my, my wife. My wife is the same way. Like, oh, you're playing the stupid Pokemon game again? Because I'll I'll tell her like, like she just kind of sighs like when I'm like, why are we parked all the way over here? I'm like, well, no reason. Just thought we could get some exercise, and then the second I get out of the car, I pull out my phone. I'm like. Mm-hmm. So here's here's the funny thing. So like, my wife drives everywhere we go these days because we usually take her car. And for the longest time, I couldn't drive a stick. Mm-hmm. I can drive one now, but she's given me so much shit about it for the entire time that we've been together that I just won't drive a stick if she's in it. <laughs> yeah. So anytime we go anywhere, like she drives. So she got really frustrated with me yesterday because like I'm like sitting in the passenger seat as we're driving up and down the coast and i'm like hitting every pokey stop as we drive by and she's <laughs> so like put that- your fucking phone away yeah so anyway that's 
that's my wife and i don't blame her because i'm kind of a dick yeah um it, my wife still makes fun of me for playing but you can see like when i especially when i take the kids out and go you know make it a point to just do something like that then she's all, all fine with it and on board with it but yeah you know there is the whole aspect of like the pokemon branding of the thing and i kind of explained to her like like i don't care about pokemon at all like uh that's not at all why i play the game i've never played or been interested in pokemon and when i get done with this game uh i'm probably still not going to be interested in pokemon um so there there's that whole thing like i just told her like forget forget what the things are called because i realize the names sound pretty fucking stupid uh but um you know just think about the activity this is something that actually gets people out of the house and moving and you know having actual social interaction you know, like the same people who bitch about people playing this game are the same people that bitch about you know people on their cell phones all the time and nobody ever talks to people anymore and those kind of you know yeah like there's a surprising number of intersecting parties when it comes to like oh gosh nobody ever talks to people in real life anymore and then you got a game that's kind of you know uh forcing that sort of interaction and people are still bitching about it so that's my third type of shitty people surrounding pokemon go matt's got a a fourth a fourth so type the, for the bonus round yeah so, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this with a little bit of of, of I'm, gonna, I'm I'm gonna drop a little Pokemon Go knowledge on people real quick. So, as you level up, you get certain rewards for leveling up throughout the game, and you can also use Pokecoins to buy these. But you get what's called a lure. Oh right, yeah. And you can put those at the Poke Stops. And what the lure does is it basically looks like there's flower petals like coming out of the out of the Poke Stop. But what it does is it attracts more Pokemon than usual to that particular location. And mm-hmm. so you, you, you catch quite a few of them there. There are people that play the game just enough to get the lures and then put the lures at the stops and then lie in wait and wait for unaccompanied people to come and play and either beat them up and mug them or try and rape them as they hit the pokey stops. Wow. So, um, congratulations. You people are the shittiest people of the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, that does top. That does. I think that tops all. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think I had heard about that one, but well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's lots of shitty people out there. Yeah. So, but you know, the funny thing is, <coughs> is the Pokemon thing. Um, Like I said, it came out in 96. I was 18. Old enough to probably not care about it. I was it at 18 all, to 96. when it came out, I was old enough to not care about it at all. So. Well, and I didn't. I didn't care about it, but I was kind of intrigued, uh, you know. And then I saw somebody playing Pokemon, and I think it was around like the yellow time. I saw somebody playing it, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And like they had their little Game Boy out, and they were cruising around. And of course, it was like the absolute like shittiest of Game Boy Color games because like yeah, like it was basically ported. The the original game was in black and white because that's what the original yep game boy was but like pikachu was yellow Mm -hmm. and so i'm like all right whatever um but i was watching them and it was like this just looks like an rpg game so yeah i had because you wander around and like as soon as you're like walking around in grass then you get random encounters and they're pokemon and you can either uh battle the pokemon until it's defeated or you can battle it until it's weak enough to catch and catch it or whatever and so then i'm like well, I like RPG games. Mm-hmm. So then I went and bought a Game Boy Color. And at the time, I think the new Pokemon games that were out were um, gold and silver. Mm-hmm. So I went and bought a Game Boy Color just so I could buy Pokemon Gold. <laughs> That's funny. Um, which had its benefits because I later bought um, uh, uh, Zelda. 
um, Seasons. Yeah. And I don't remember what the other one. It was Seasons and something else. I still have them. Yeah, see, it's funny because I never got into Pokemon either, but in its various forms. So there's the games, and I had the same reaction. Like, once I learned what it was, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it is, in a lot of ways, just an RPG game. Um, I don't know. I've never played the game, so I don't know if there's much story involved. You know, like, typically, RPG is fairly story-driven. But, like, even the the early Final Fantasy games and shit like that, there's a story involved. But, uh, you know, the, the mechanics are all very similar, I thought. And then there was the, you know, the collectible card game. And, like... I was playing Magic at that time. Uh, yeah, I'm that nerd. I was playing Magic the Gathering at that time. So I was like, well, I can't fucking make fun of these guys because, you know, they have a different type of stupid character on the cards they paid way too much money for. Yeah. Um, my, my kid's starting to get into the Pokemon card trading card game. Yeah. So I'm going to have to drop some cash on that and actually learn how to play it with her so she can actually, like, learn to play and whatnot. Yeah. But, um, so to, I, I can set the story up for the first game at least because I actually remember it because I played it most recently. Mm-hmm. So your character um, is from a little town called Pallet Town. And in that town is a professor and his name is Professor Oak. That much I do know. Right. So then um, he is like the world's foremost authority on Pokemon. And uh, so you go to him and then he's like, um, I'm going to give you this Pokemon. And then right about that time, you meet his grandkid, who is your rival through the whole game, and he takes a Pokemon that is particularly strong against the one that you took. Gotcha. And then you set out on a journey to collect as many Pokemon as you can to add their their information to the Pokedex. And at the time the game came out, I think there was like 153 or something like that. Um, the kicker to the game is you couldn't get all of them. Unless you had somebody else with the other game. Like, so if you bought red oh, and they had yep. green. I remember that. So they could get all the ones they could get and you get all the ones that you could get. And then you guys could, you, you could link up yeah, your Game Boys I, I, and I trade. I do remember because that was one of the, the Game Boy, like the link <laughs> thing on the Game Boy was a very unused feature, if I recall correctly, uh-huh. outside of a couple of games. And of course, Pokemon was probably the largest of the, of them. Yeah. And so eventually, like, what you do is you go out and you collect the the Pokemon. Each town has a gem, similar to Pokemon Go. Mm -hmm. And that gem is a leader and several other members of the gem. And you have to battle your way up to the leader. And as soon as you defeat the leader of the gem, you get a Pokemon badge. Nice. And those badges do something special for you. Um, Most notably, they help you uh, control Pokemon that are increasingly higher levels. Yeah. At the end of the day, what you want to do is you want to get to the end of the game and face the members of the Pokemon League so that you can prove that you're the best Pokemon trainer. And that is it. Yeah. That is the point of the game. So that, that yeah, it is it is kind of how I remember it then. This, this story is fairly simplistic and kind of a background thing. And most of it is, uh, um, you know, like I said, sort of like RPG style elements, but not really as story driven as R- as an RPG would be. I mean, it's like I remember playing Final Fantasy and shit like that. And it was like you only play for the story, like the right. mechanics of it. Like I didn't give a shit about the mechanics of it. In fact, I really have never really liked turn based uh, combat. So um, playing, you know, Final Fantasy, it was always like, oh, fuck, combat again. I don't want to do this. And then, you know, try to get past it as quickly as possible. And Ultimately, your goal was to progress the story and find out yeah. what happens. Yep. And then and then eventually get to the end of it and beat the big bad that caused the whole thing. Because yeah. uh, that's that's what it is. I love the Final Fantasy games. And it, that kind of stuff got better once they introduced the active combat system. Yeah. 
Um, I think I stopped playing probably before. I think my last real Final Fantasy game was probably seven, maybe eight. That had active combat. Did it? I mean, it's turn-based, but like it's your cooldown after you make a move. Like all of your characters have different pace, oh, and the other characters yeah, can still right. act while it's happening. So, active combat was actually introduced in Final Fantasy. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. God, I think it was five. Yeah. Which we didn't see here in the states until way later when they did the re-release for the PlayStation. Mm. Yeah, I didn't get too heavily into that. Uh, Chrono Trigger, I think, had it. I don't think I um, really liked the combat mechanics enough that I was willing to put up with it. Um, the, and and at that time, like I was a little bit too young for the those games too when I was playing them. Like I think I was playing them when I was around like ten or eleven. You'd probably enjoy the hell out of them these days. As an I adult. think so. Yeah. And then like other games like Dragon Warrior Seven, still one of my favorite RPG games of all time for the original PlayStation. Eighty hours, I think, which at the time was pretty massive. Yeah, it that would be that would be massive for today's games. Like unless you're, yeah, I guess about they don't a, do that anymore, do they? No, like a lot of. In fact, that's one of the, my lamentations about uh, modern gaming is that a lot of the story mode games, um, outside of you know the really big ones. Um, end up being woefully short you know like even some of the big franchises like call of duty and what have you um the the actual um campaign if if in some of these games aren't even coming with campaign modes at all um are you know 10 20 hours tops yeah i was actually listening to paul dini on uh nerdist podcasts last week and Mm -hmm. he was talking about how invariably when when one of the arkham games that he would had written was released like he would always get a tweet it would release and then like within like 12 hours he would get a tweet from somebody who had like literally stayed up all night and and played the the story campaign to its completion you you can with the arkham games i think if you only play the story and you you like really just like singular focus i want to get through the story you can get through them fairly quickly i'd say 12 hours is probably like into speedrun territory for those games but um there's so much more to do especially arkham knight um arkham knight is probably the best example for me like where uh the side story missions are interesting enough that i want to play those as much as the main story because i am very typically like a i just want to play the 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 main the main quest line and get done um it depends to me on on how to do it like um arkham asylum mm -hmm. there isn't a lot of side missions like there's the riddler stuff yeah, that, those games. Which I Asylum, mean, I think, was definitely like as far as map concerns go. Like they're the smallest games, and so there's not a whole lot of you know really cool things you can yeah. do as and, far as side quests. And let's face it, who finishes the Riddler missions? Nah, I don't. They're fucking that, nuts. That, like, they're that, crazy. There are some people that really dig that. Like if you like like a good puzzle game, um, I could see you really enjoying the Riddler stuff. Yeah, uh, Arkham City though, when it came out. Jesus Christ, it was huge comparatively speaking. Oh yeah, phenomenally larger. Like, and like. Like, you go do stuff, and they're like, oh, uh, the Penguin's doing this over here, but that doesn't have anything to do with why you're playing the game. But and you're like, well, but I want to go fuck up the Penguin, so I'm going to yeah. go do that. And, and uh, you know, with Arkham Knight, the mission styles are a little bit different depending on what, you know, like, there's a probably, I want to say, around 20. So, the, like, there's the main quest line, and then there's, like, 20 side objective sort of storylines you can complete. And they each have a little bit of difference in what kind of play style you're going to get when you're doing them. So, if you like, you know, driving missions or something like that, you can go off and do one of these. Or if you like uh, uh, cape glider style missions, you can go off and do one of those. Or, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, that's really simplifying it. But, I, I, you know, I really took to that. Like, there were some elements of the game where it's like, oh, we did this fun thing in this one mission in the main quest line. Uh, on some games, it's like, oh, and then you're never going to do that thing again. Um, 
Um, but I thought Arkham Knight especially did a good job of taking those like fun gameplay aspects and they're like, oh, here's a you know whole gigantic side quest where you got to reuse this mechanic over and over again. Yeah, I'll have to um, borrow that from you sometime. I haven't played that one yet. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's super fun. Um, I I've beaten that. Well, not so. And this is the one that's a little bit different. Um, you beat the main quest line, and then it's but you're not done. Um, like in the game makes it very clear you're not done. You gotta they they actually want you to beat this one. I don't think you have to get to a hundred percent, but you have to beat them the um the other side quest lines to really complete the game. And uh, once you beat the main quest line, it becomes pretty apparent why that is. But it, it, it they do seem to be setting up a satisfying reward for actually going on and doing more in the game. Yeah. Uh, and the game does not feel like it's over once you've beaten the main quest line to me. So I'm still waiting to collect all the carbonite blocks from Lego Star Wars Force Awakens <laughs> so I can get some more characters unlocked. Yeah. Some of those are a bitch to get. Yeah. Yeah, there's you know I don't know that that's like that's a fun mechanic too that you see all over in games like Arkham Arkham's got all, the Arkham games have that you know with the Riddler collector missions and shit like that so yeah all right we'll be back after a refill thank God okay next on the docket some more regular nerdery at least for our show I gotta correct myself about something real quick go for it Pokemon when it came out the red and green editions were not released in the U S until. Uh, later and green was actually never released in the u.s it was red and blue in the u.s and then yellow gotcha but when they did the remasters they did pokemon fire red and leaf green for the ds i think no game boy advance game boy advance there we go um phew it is a good thing (laughs) i know i know think of the Think of the horrors, the, the hate mail that we would receive. Okay, so um, anyway, next on the docket, we were going to talk about the... Uh, we've got a picture release. Um, Wally West, um, of course, from the Flash TV show in season three costume. Uh, we're getting the kid Flash this season. Dude, really excited about this. So here's here's the thing. What I really like about this is... Um, the Flash TV series kind of took a page out of the New 52's book in terms of Wally West uh, being black as opposed to the typical red-headed kid that we yep. grew up with. <coughs> what they're not taking a page out of the book with the New 52 is is his costume, though. So I'm not sure um, what what the New 52 Wally costume looks like. Um, well, what we saw... Um, anytime we we kind of made reference to or saw a reference to him in in a costume was it was it was like a silver costume. Oh, okay, yeah, actually, no, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, but now, but this is this is total classic Wally West with like red and yellow as as the primary colors, yellow especially. Yeah, and um, actually, I, and then the not full face helmet deal. I I do totally dig this costume too. Like I think they did, uh, and I hope it looks this good on the show. But I think they did a totally awesome job on the show, or or on this costume. Like the promotional pic that they released on 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 Twitter, and I'm sure other social media as well. But the promotional pic that they did looks super good. Um, the only thing I don't really like though, as much as I like that they didn't do the full face mask, it doesn't make as much sense for this Wally. Because the the main reason I think you um you you know they drew. Uh, redhead Wally West that way because he had those nice beautiful flowing locks to stick out of the top of it and, and our man Wally in the show definitely does not uh, have have that so I think that no. part I think is a little bit missing from this costume like I wish they could have come up with something maybe a, a slightly different um, but I, you know, the other thing I'm looking forward to here is somebody brought up that there's you know they'll probably do a season 3 refresh on the costume for Barry too 
And I'm looking forward to the potentials for that because I, I think we see a lot of the things that are some somewhat missing with our um, you know current Flash costume. Like I really like the earpiece accents on this costume here. The um, you know the trim. I think it's possible we're gonna get uh, a little bit more trim in our Flash suit than we've gotten so far. You know, a little bit more view of the lightning, so to speak. Um, you know, because they had to have, you know, they wanted to stick at least initially with a little bit of a realistic explanation for how they came up with the costume. So it's been sort of utilitarian, but now I think they've got a compelling reason to, you know, sort of dress it up a little bit more like you see in the books. So anyway. Yeah. Cool picture. I'm, I'm excited. I, I can't wait for season three. Oh, neither can I. Um, so happy to, um, that this is a thing that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to get it this season, but I, I, I presume we're going to be seeing, you know, potentially a Jesse quick, uh, yeah. costume sometime in the future. So it's open three months, bro. Three months. It's going to be a long three months. Speaking of long three months, this is a total tangent that I forgot to mention before right now, but news broke, uh, relatively recently that game of Thrones is not going to come out until summer. Next yeah. Year. It's going to be a shorter season. Yep. The yep. shorter season part I can deal with because... Um, how, many se- how many episodes are they usually? It's usually a 10-episode season. Okay. Uh, this this season is going to be seven, uh, but it, it normally comes out in spring. It usually comes out, I think, in, in like April, uh, and this one's not coming out until summer, and I don't remember if that was June summer or July summer or like August 31st or something like that, but um, it's going to be coming out later than the traditional uh, season does, and they're only going to do uh, seven episodes. And I think the reason they're only probably going to do seven episodes is there is because they're going to take the same ten episode budget and compress that down into those seven, so they can do more amazing, crazy shit like they did with the Battle of the Bastards and dragons flying everywhere and White Walkers and shit like that. Because I think for the most part, that's pretty much all CG. So um, and gets very expensive. So it's going to be kind of like um, like when we used to have to wait a full like when the walking dead would come out and it was like well the first season was six episodes and then we had to wait like almost a year and then the no, second i think they did full seasons the whole time like i think it's been a 10 episode run the entire time no what i'm what i'm saying oh, though the is walking like the dead. wait sorry i'm like, sorry yes yeah, you're right yeah the wait so the walking dead um we had six six seasons or six episodes the first season and then after that it went to 13 i think but or 14 yeah um, but for a couple of seasons, it was like you watch it all the way through and then you got to wait. Yeah. And then, then it's only been like the last few seasons that it's like comes out in October and then it breaks, uh, what, An December until long. February and yeah. then it breaks again. So for the season break. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a trend I particularly like. I'm not sure. If, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I don't well, know. It's rough because on the mind. other hand, you have a, a something like Daredevil, and one of the things that I love and hate about Daredevil is that it comes out all at once. So, like, I have one week of Daredevil, like every two yeah, years dude, or something I, I, like I that. I watched that in two days, and now yeah. I'm like, well, yep. <laughs> see you in 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I understand that they're doing some pretty cool Comic Con stuff for uh, uh, Luke Cage. Yes, there was a, a picture I was going to. Or I was thinking about putting in here, but I wasn't sure how much we'd have to add to it. We don't and have it, a ton, but it's just the Luke Cage. I mean, there's a Luke Cage poster that's coming out, which looks yeah. pretty badass. Yeah, not gonna lie, I'm excited. Yeah, I am happy. Like I said, good. I've said this like a million times now, but it is definitely a good time to be a nerd and be into this kind of stuff. Speaking of Comic Con, yeah, I got a really rad pop figure yesterday. Yep, I'll put a pic of this in the show notes. Yep, I just I just sent it to him. Um. And it's sitting in front of us anyway. And yeah, I opened it. So fuck you guys. I don't care. I'm not going to sell it to you anyway. <laughs> um, 
It's uh, it's it's Empire Strikes Back, Luke Skywalker. It is the Bespin Encounter version of the figure, um, and what that means is he's already got a black die and missing a hand. It's pretty rad. My wife keeps making fun of me because I spent more money on this pop figure than most, um, it, and it's got it less plastic one. involved. It is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, but here's the deal. This is a Comic Con exclusive, um, unless you're a particularly uh, savvy and shopping hot topic every once in a while because apparently they've got them. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, they are more expensive than the typical ones. I paid 15 for this particular one, but apparently he's selling right now online like for an average of between 21 and $25 a pop he, online. He's a so. pretty rad little figure, though. And I don't think he's probably going to be in production for a ton of time, so if you can get into Hot Topic and pick one up for 15 bucks, do it. Otherwise, you're going to pay more. Yeah. Um, and he's Luke Skywalker without a hand, so that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Although his stump is kind of bloody. This is actually one of my favorite one of these guys because uh, it is so specific, and they did get the detail pretty good. Yeah. His hair is all tussled, and his yeah. eye is black, and his hand is missing, and... And and it's like immediately, you know, oh, that's that Luke Skywalker. So yeah, yeah, I like I like that. Uh what else do we have this week? Um We move into Sons, sons of Anarchy. Anarchy and some comic books. Yeah. Hold on. For for our sons discussion. <laughs> we we gotta have Opie Winston here. Yeah. We've got an Opie pop figure too, and now he's joining Luke. He's probably one of my favorite pop figures. Cause I'm not gonna lie. The entire run of Sons of Anarchy, Opie Winston is my favorite character, so. He, yeah. I, I'm only in, the, I, I just started season four and I haven't gotten, I, my son's watching has slowed down a little bit now because, you know, real life and I've had other things to do this week, but. Like Pokemon Go. Like Pokemon Go, essentially. Um, my attention span is weird for shit like this too. Like I, I do this pretty constantly. Like I will um, spend two weeks reading or watching every single piece of a thing I can get my hand on. And then forget about it for like six months. Um, I kind of yelled at you for speeding through it so fast too. So yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that with Sons. I, I think I'll probably finish out the thing. It'll probably just move down to a more re- reasonable pace. Like maybe I'll you know try to keep it down under a season a week or something like that. I think I think we're going to try and and do a season recap. Yeah, weekly. So like today we're talking about season two. So. And again, season two is where... Oh, season two, the, I'd say the main thing that's really happening in season two is the conflict between Clay and Jax. This is where it really starts to brew over... This is huge, because we talked last week about um, Clay being instrumental in the death of Obi's wife, Donna. Clay and Tig both. Yeah. Um, they were complicit, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jax knows... Yeah, he finds out relatively early in the season. Um, and I think he finds out at the end of season one still. So Yeah, it's kind of funny because um, I actually thought it's a little bit stupid that the rest of the cast doesn't figure it out because I do think that it's a little clumsy how they how they decided to handle it. Um, or, or the excuse that Clay and Tig were giving for, you know, why this went down, you know, the, uh, as we remember from the last time we talked about this, they blamed it on the Niners. And at the time, I don't really think they had any beef with the Niners, like any real reason for the Niners they did oh with the, that was the warehouse thing and yeah. that happened because the yeah yeah okay the shit with the mayans okay so there's enough beef with you know, them that they could buy it all right so anyway that's actually one of the things the show does really well is it it does kind of cover its ass with its plot points and and oh yeah it's, it, it's it very is. hard to spot a, a quote-unquote dosex machina 
plot point to, to progress from one place to another because the storylines are so intertwined and convoluted. Yeah. Um, but uh, relatively early on in the season, in season two, uh, Jax figures this all out, and uh, you know, I, I know, I know that um, Perlman does the whole run. Can't give it away. I can't. I can't remember. I I don't think he does. I think that's you know already knowledge I had. You yeah. know, like I'm not expecting um, him to make it the whole run. So so basically, when season two opens up, we see kind of a different charming. Things are kind of settling down for the club, or or sort of. Although there's still a, a very huge underlying issue between Jackson and Clay. Yeah. Um, what we also have though is a new guy coming into town, a businessman, and um, he brings with him uh, a henchman, if you will, who's uh, very much Aryan Brotherhood yeah. white supremacist guy. So immediately, Darby looks like he's kind of starting to. His his stock has increased. Yep. Uh, so Darby's our resident charming uh, drug pusher, who's you know sort of had his business squashed because he can't sell in charming because of the protection from the club. Um, but he's also the uh, he's the leader of the Nords, and he, he's the you know resident white supremacist in chief uh, yeah. right now. So yeah. Um, Ethan Zobel is the name of the businessman. Yeah. Uh, first episode. Actually, uh, this this starts out with a bang um, because we see the release of Bobby from uh, from jail after he was picked up in season one mm-hmm. for the presumed murder of that fucking guy at the docks. Yep, there's a there's a party to celebrate him coming back, and Zobel and and his homeboy Weston uh, played remarkably well by Henry Rollins. Yep, uh, show up. And basically, they give Clay a message, and that is, you don't sell guns to to color anymore. Yeah. And Clay says, uh, "Well, fuck you, and go away." Yeah. Because that's what Clay does. We should point out that the uh, particular nomenclature we're going for here is what they actually use in the show. Like they they use that term pretty pretty much. Like uh, even you know whether whether there's a problem. Like so, Zobel, who is presumably backed by white supremacists, uh, you know, says pr- almost precisely those words. Like you don't sell the color anymore. And uh, but even you know the, the the club guys, the club guys who you know say they will say things like we have no problem with color, and you know they do business with uh, you know all all variety of minorities. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of you know they they you know i guess as you'd expect um not necessarily politically correct yeah so um after having been refused by clay uh they resort to some other means to get to them and by that i mean they kidnap um and rape clay's wife Gemma uh repeatedly yeah they this is one of the more brutal things that uh this is almost worse because they show a little bit of it on screen and then you're it's sort of left to the imagination of the, of the show watcher which is almost worse i think so um anyway yeah she's gang raped gang raped essentially and uh the one thing that she does remember though is the tattoo of the guy uh, uh on which his is neck, weston which is weston and, and she figures this out and here's one of the main str- the other main struggles throughout the season is she figures out that it's weston i think within two episodes Oh yeah, she puts it together pretty quick, and and her I mean, main thing is is they did this to hurt the club, yeah. And she's not going to let them. So she and and uh, police chief uh, Wiggums, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unser, yeah, Unser, they um they fabricate this whole thing with the car wreck and and kind of um, 
this is where Tara and Gemma kind of bond. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of points about this that's interesting. So the reason, uh, you know, you would think that uh, Gemma being in her position, you know, right, uh, the old lady of the the, the, the matriarch. Yeah, the matriarch, and and that's you know dismissive. Gemma is a force in her own right. Um, you'd think she would immediately go tell the club, and the club would go and retaliate. But Gemma figures out pretty quickly, like that's exactly what they want to happen. Like mm-hmm. they want the club to, to retaliate. So presumably there's a plan in place for that sort of thing. So Gemma decides instead to hide it. Um, so like Matt said, she calls up Unser. Um, Unser, you know, pull, calls an audible and it's like, well, you got in a car wreck and just, you know, hops out of her car and ghostwrites it into a barricade. You, you start to figure out throughout the season too that Unser has got uh, a very, very, very huge heart on for Gemma and has for probably most of his life. Yeah, and he does have sort of a, um, you'd think, you know, like in in season one, to me, he's just basically a crooked cop, and there's not really a lot of sympathy for that guy, um, or at least I, I didn't, like, to me, it was just like, he's a crooked cop, and especially with the... Um, they, they made him have cancer in the first season, and that's like the most sympathetic you feel, is you're like, well, cancer sucks, sucks for, for that guy. Yeah. But especially when you put him next to Hale, so Hale is the uncorruptible force of good on the police force. Um, so much so that you hate him. Yeah. Like, he's so good, you're just like, Jesus, you know, loosen your tights there, princess. Yeah. Um, but uh, that that's another funny thing about the show. I think we talked about this in the last episode, is that your your morality gets a little bit skewed when, when you're watching, because, you know, our heroes basically are a group of bad guys, more or less. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so Unser, in the first season, I didn't really have a lot of sympathy for him. But in the second season, you're like, well, he does have a code of ethics, and it's just... You know, definitely a lot more. And you find out a little bit more about him and Hale, actually, both yeah. throughout the season. Um. So, yeah, we've got this. And then, like, Zobel's bell gets kind of rung because nothing happens from the club from this particular thing. Yeah. Um. um they, they decide, you know, like, that. that is a, I think, one of the things in the show is, like, Zobel's kind of like, okay, when when's it going to go down? Like, when's she going to say the thing? And she doesn't. So they have to start, like, poking at her, essentially. So yeah. they send her the mask that the guys were wearing when they did it and, you know, other things that go on. So. Yeah. And this 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 season is particularly hard for me to watch um, as, as a person who's seen it before already, too. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, the relationship between Opie and Jax is pretty strained. Because yeah. Opie, having just lost his wife, decides he's going balls deep in club activity like he he wants to lose himself in the club um he starts to which, which brings him kids and... much closer to clay mm-hmm. jacks knowing that clay ordered the hit on opie that ended up with donna being killed is trying to rein him in a little bit and going hey Ope, uh how are the kids doing you know hey what's you know and w- jacks can't tell him this at this point because like it would fracture the entire club oh yeah I mean, the obvious, it is sort of, um, you know, like the ending of this season, I think, has them sort of making up. Yeah. And it is it is amazing to me that when Opie finds out, he doesn't just fucking murder him. Like, and so I think, you know, especially in the early part of the season when emotions are fresh, essentially. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's probably what would happen, you know, shoot out at the clubhouse sort of thing. Yeah. And, and the club would have never came back for it from it. So Jack sort of reluctantly hides the thing and you can see, you can see his guilt. Like he feels guilty not telling, but he kind of, you know, rationalizes it. Like, and again, the skewed morality, because although he totally disagrees with clay and the actions, he kind of also was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like, I guess that had to be what happened and it really sucks that it was Donna, but um, you know, so basically he decides to hide it. We, we also see 
Jack's continuing to try and push the club toward a more legitimate means of earning. Um, number one, they, they because of all the heat with uh, with no, Zobel, really. yeah, because of the heat with Zobel. And actually, there's a couple factors of play into this. Number one, the Irish start selling guns to Zobel. Yep, which kind of dries up the Suns pipeline a little bit because um, Cameron. The, the, the main Irish guy and his kid kind of start diverting stock that would normally go to the Suns through Zobel's group. Yeah, and and uh, it should be noted, I'm pretty sure that at this point, the IRA, um, that's the Irish something or other army. The true IRA. Yeah, the true IRA. Um, Irish Republican Army, I think is what yeah, it is. Yeah, are the um, main suppliers for the Suns gun yeah. running business. So. Yeah. Um, and they have deep ties to the Irish from a couple of different reasons, which we'll go into Um not this season, but next yeah. season for sure. When the club goes to Ireland, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Um, this week on Sons of Anarchy, we all go on a field trip. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Jax decides um, at the behest of, well, there's a couple things. Number one, uh, the friend uh, of the club, uh, which is actually uh, a club member's wife, an old lady, yep. uh, Luann, who runs a porn studio. Um, she gets some competition moves into town in the form of um, I don't know that guy that used to Tom Arnold. <laughs> yeah, Tom Tom Arnold, who is hilarious <laughs> and totally believable in this position. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or this because this, he uh, plays a scumbag. Role. Yeah. Um. So the club, in order to protect Luann, kind of absorb her business and go into the into the porn business. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it's Jax who sets it all up. He's basically like, um, she needs help, and we should help her, but we could also stand to make some money here. Plus, we owe her fifty grand, and if we do this, then we don't owe her anything anymore. Yeah, and then we have a legit business. So uh, that's basically what happened. The the club basically decides to start running into the porn business and take over, um, you know, not not day-to-day operations, essentially, but uh, take over. Which, man, do do those guys really dig being in the porn business they do it is so funny so funny yeah um, um so we we get that action going on um some things happen that kind of sour the, the the grapes especially for clay clay doesn't like it um a couple of the chicks get busted for for prostitution and, and finger jacks yeah which i think is another machination of uh or machination of um zobel if I remember correctly, like he sets it up so that uh, they're not really left with a lot of choice. Him and Darby. Yeah, him and Darby. Um, what is it they do? Yeah, I think they essentially say like they they engineer the bust. Like they, they give him, they make him an offer they, they can't they refuse. Offered, they offered the girls a, a shit ton of money to do this for Darby, unbeknownst to Darby actually, um, and then tip off the police. Yeah. Which basically makes it look like an organization that's being semi-run by the Sons of Anarchy. Um, is operating on the wrong side of the law, number one. And the, number two, the Suns aren't doing everything they can do to keep the drugs off the streets and that they're maybe they're not as necessary as the town thinks they are. Yeah, and this is actually kind of funny because I thought, like, th- this is one of the points where I was like, oh, Clay, you know, like, they do, there, there is this tension between Jackson and Clay. And I thought that Clay's reaction here wasn't solely because, oh, you know, you're putting the club's reputation in danger, but mostly because, like, this is Jax's thing. Like, it, it is essentially Jax pushing this. And uh, Clay is essentially like, we're, we're shutting it down. Like, Well, and we skipped a big part, too, that kind of leads to understanding why Clay feels this way. And that is when they all go to jail. Oh, yeah. They went to prison for a, a, a little while. Yeah, I can't remember why that was. Because they went and shot up the, the church. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, they it, thought it was a meeting of the, of the Aryan Brotherhood. And yep. Clay went. Which is also blazing. entirely engineered. 
and and Jax did not want to do it. He tried to talk them out of it because he said it was too soon for retaliation. Does this is after the club finds out about Gemma? Nope. No. No, this is before. They don't find out about that until two episodes before the end of the season. I thought that came. You no, you're right because that happens sort of in the middle of the season. Yeah. Um, but they're in jail, and uh, Clay has kind of already made the promise to Jax that if he brings up Donna's death one more time, he's going to put a bullet in himself. Yep, definitely. Um, and it doesn't necessarily get said between Jax and Clay, but we've been reintroduced to somebody from season one who we would have preferred not seen again, and that's Agent Stahl. And she kind of plants the earworm in Clay's mind that Jax may have already told her his suspicions of Donna's death, even though Stahl is directly responsible for it and knows damn well why it happened. Yeah. So when Clay gets back into the cell... Um, there's a knockdown drag out fight, which I'm pretty sure Jax was going to win before it got broken up by the guards. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would hope so. He's got 20 years on clay or something like that. Um, that's another thing that's sort of a, a backstory plot going on. Uh, so one of the rules of the club is you can't ride. You're not, you know, like, like that's it. You're out, not out. You can't uh, lead though. You can't lead. You certainly can't lead. So, and we've, we've, we're progressing this, uh, story, which is, um, Clay's got arthritis and it's starting to get pretty bad. Like you, you, you see, see a couple Gemma of, giving him cortisone shots sometimes. Yeah. Um, so you, you would think that, uh, Jax would probably kick Clay's ass, but, um, it Clay's was also salty though. Like he's been around a yeah, while it, and he's it, not the leader of the sons of anarchy for no reason. So yeah, it was actually a really evenly matched fight. I think Jax probably would have won, but it, it did not look like a clear like oh man, like he's just you know kicking the shit out of him sort yeah. of fight. It's like oh no, they were really going at it, and it's really funny too because this is another sort of club ethics sort of thing. Like the the whole club's in the room when this is going down. I think nobody jumps in. No, in fact, I think I think this is the scene where Bobby says something along the lines of no, because somebody's going this. to. I think Je- Juice is going to jump in or something like that. Yeah, and uh, um. You know, Bobby's all no, no, they need to do this sort of thing, and it's funny because they they do, and not, it's not like they end up hugging at the end. It's like the fight's broken up, and they're still totally pissed off at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, um, we don't see any affection <coughs> between Clay and Jax until um, almost the end of the season. Um, basically, and that is the reveal that does that essentially. Yeah, basically, what happens is, um, as we mentioned before, Clay decides they need to shut down Kara Kara, the porn business. And uh, Jax is like, nope, this is club action. I brought it to the club. We voted on it. If you want to shut it down, you got to have a majority vote to shut it down. Mm-hmm. And uh, before that happens, though, the studio burns down, which was actually engineered by Zobel and his group, mm-hmm. um, along with Darby, who is double-crossed by Zobel's group at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But Jax, not knowing this automatically assumes that that clay ordered the studio set on fire and he goes fucking batshit um decides he's gonna leave the sam crow chapter and go nomad yep and uh gets the approval from the from the president of the nomad charter and then um basically gets put to a vote and everybody votes in in favor that he he's allowed to leave and then Gemma's like nope Come to my house. You're coming yeah. to my house. And that's when she sits Clay, Tara, and and Jax down and, and tells uh, Clay and Jax for the first time what happened. Tara already knew because she helped her immediately after with her medical stuff, all that good stuff. But 
Yeah. So um, if you're not familiar with like like this thing, thing, but going nomad essentially is like just taking a step off the grid. Like right now, Jax is the number two for the you know main chapter. The and, VP. Yeah, he's the VP. And uh, not only that, but um, it's not immediately obvious uh, because there's a lot of power ascribed to Sam Crow, and you don't quite see that exactly why for a little while um but i think in the, by by season two you start seeing like we're only looking at one chapter sam crow is sort of the head decision making chapter of the thing but it's huge like there's chapters all over the place um, the other the other chapters of the sons of anarchy are located elsewhere and they kind of operate under their own purview unless they're basically given word from the home office that they need to be elsewhere and yep. doing something else so so like uh i don't i don't think it was i think it's the next season maybe well, they're just like, we're calling in the chapters. Like, get all your fucking guys and we're going to go, you know, whatever. Uh, they they kind of do that a little bit. Um, I think they do it in season one a little bit. But then yeah. in season two, you see it because um, when Clay thinks that Jax isn't going to help him, kind of, I can't remember what it is that they're doing. Oh, it's when they go and try and get the guns back from, uh, oh, from yep. Zobel's group. Clay's like, call the other charters. We need as many people here as we can get kind of a thing. Yeah, but what's interesting about this is when um, when uh, uh, Jack says he's going nomad, um, it's like if you were a member of the 1993 Chicago Bulls and you were like, you know what, actually, I want to go play for the Nets instead. Uh, it's like that level of like you're going from home club, you know, the the best team in, in, the, in the whole organization and you're going to go, you know, play for some no-name team in, in the middle of nowhere. It's yeah. a little different because you're essentially playing for the same team. It would be like if Michael Jordan was like, you know what, I'm going to go play for some minor league teams for a while. Yeah, <laughs> like that's a solid, yeah. Um, Nomad is basically, it is a, it, it, it's a chapter, a charter of the Sons of Anarchy, but they don't have no, they have no home base. Like they're not based anywhere. They kind of rove around and uh, they have church, which is basically where they all sit around the table and they vote on stuff, but it's never in the same place and they don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, quite in the same fashion, and so his idea is he's going to go nomad for a couple of years until Clay's ready to step down, and then he's going to come back. Yeah. So, um, anyway, what stops this from happening, of course, is the big reveal from Gemma. So Gemma invites Clay and and um, uh, Jax over to her house, and she she tells them what happened. And at this point, um, having just got back from jail, this is where they sort of mend fences a little bit because. Jax and Clay both want retaliation bad. Like that's clear. The only the only argument about this is the method for which that happens. And so where you start get then a little bit of the fence mending is that uh, uh, Clay sort of l- looks to Jax here. He you know basically like well I-, I called the church hit and that fucked up. So what should we do instead? Um, so uh, Jack Jack sort of takes the lead on how this is going to go down. Um, yeah, and I, I, the, I, I guess I, th- the thing I, I like about this is they put their bullshit aside for a second because, like, now they have a goal, like, more important than the two of them. And now, like, no more pissing match. Like, the, the thing with the club or the, the club and the, the porn business with Clay and Jax, like, that was just a giant pissing match. Uh, um, this one, it's like, nope, okay, we're buddies, we're team, we're a team again, and you know, let's figure out how to get this done, sort of thing. So it's crazy because basically once and and once the rest of the charter figures it out too, like, they kind of put everything else aside. Oh yeah, I mean uh, the whole. I mean the whole charter is ready to go absolutely apeshit. Tig has an affection for Gemma as well, and it's not as much. It's not entirely sexual because he know. loves her. Like yeah, like it's it's plain as day. Um, but he also loves Clay. You know what I mean? It's kind of that kind of a thing. Yeah, and uh 
Tig has been having kind of a big issue lately ever since he accidentally killed Donna. Yep. Um, he, he's having performance issues as, <laughs> as it will, as you will. Um, and this kind of snaps him out of that too. Cause as soon as he figures out that something bad happened to Gemma, he's ready to go pull teeth. Yep. So that's not even a metaphor in this case. Like Tig would totally pull teeth. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they, you know, they, they round the gang up and they, they, you know, start their plan of action essentially. And then we get this other, you know, sort of quasi resolution for the season with Gemma. Um, so Gemma, who's been fighting the whole season about what to do, because there's, there's a couple of main actors. So she know, or Zobel orchestrates the whole thing. She know Weston carries it out. Weston also has this accomplice in this uh, little blonde chick and she is Zobel's daughter. Zobel's daughter. Yeah. So Zobel's daughter, um, tricks her into basically getting, getting off out and getting shoved in a van yeah. uh, by saying, you know, Her you got to come help choking. me. My baby's choking. My baby's choking as they're, you know, um, stopped at a light or something like that. And so, uh, you know, she comes over to look because Gemma is very matriarchal. Like whatever flaw she has, she's totally the type of person that would help a kid on the street sort of thing. Um, so she goes to go check it out. And of course they conquer over the head and then that's how the whole thing gets, goes down. So she keeps seeing this chick through town and then finally she she catches her and follows her into the house uh which uh of, of cameron's son of cameron's son because since the irish have been selling guns to zobel the uh, cameron's son uh what's his fuck's name i can't remember his name. i don't remember his name either um follows his um follows him there because you know they had a thing going on uh because they became uh that's zobel's daughter and cameron's son had a thing going on because they became related through the the you know gun running um so she goes there before they're about to take the fuck off because at this point, um, Zobel's also gotten the Mayans involved. So we have Main Street and Charming, which is a tiny fucking town, has, you know, one side of the street covered in Mayans, which is, you know, the other big in bad front of Zobel's game. shop. In front of Zobel's shop, protecting Zobel, trying to get him to get out, or trying to get him out of town because at this point, they've basically lost. And, and Weston's gone by this point, and he was ready to to turn coat on Zobel anyway because that's the thing that Weston didn't understand is that Zobel as much as he was aligning himself with the Aryan Brotherhood because it it was beneficial. they gave him good protection and it was beneficial to him he was selling guns to the Mayans the entire time yeah so um and and of course Weston learns this and um he decides to you know skip out on Zobel and so Zobel's very much like uh, no, well they killed him the sons killed him they they do but I, it, this doesn't happen quite yet I think uh, it, it all I think it probably all happens within the same episode or maybe like it, the I end think, of episode nine right. and then the beginning of episode ten. No, so I don't think episode so. eleven and it hasn't happened yet. What's so. happened is there's a definite fallout between Zobel and Weston because he learns essentially that it's he he's you know not the white power guy that Weston hoped he was. Um, you know so basically Zobel's lost and he needs to get the fuck out of Dodge because. Uh, the sons are definitely after him and he's really got no protections except for the Mayans. So the Mayans are basically sitting on one side of the street. The sons are sitting on the other side of the street. Sons want to go in and kill Zobel. Zobel just wants to get the fuck out of Dodge. Um, and his daughter's gone missing cause she went to go check on the fucking Irish dude. Um, God, this sounds convoluted when you try to recap. The whole I, I told you it was. Yeah. Um, what, what we also find out about Zobel though, is that he's essentially untouchable by the law because he is a federal fucking informant. Yep. The entire time. So he's literally just double-crossing absolutely everybody. Um, slimy fucker, that one. Yeah. Yeah. And this 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 season kind of had the most lukewarm fucking resolution mm-hmm. to the overall big bad because he just drove off. 
Yeah, so what happens sorry, is... Sorry, sorry, spoilers. Yeah, Gemma, Gemma follows uh, the blonde chick into the house uh, where Stahl was... Got, we're on another thing. So Stahl was cornering um, Irish kid's son, kid. Cam- Cameron's kid, um, you know, basically uh, blackmailing him into giving up information and that kind of shit and giving up his dad, essentially. And, of course, um, something goes down and Stahl... Uh, you know, provokes him and he decides now's the time to get away. So he fucking cunt punches her. That was so funny. Yeah, he did. He <laughs> punched starts, her right in the cunt. Starts running away. And uh, so Stahl shoots him. And so now Stahl's like, oh, well, what the fuck do I do? And uh, then, of course, Gemma walks in. So the obvious answer chick. is pinned on Gemma. Yeah. So Gemma, completely unaware that Stahl's even there or that Cameron's dead, sees the blonde chick, shoots her. No, uh, the blonde chick pulls a gun on Gemma. Gemma's, you know, already ready to shoot her. So she shoots her. She dies. Stahl steps out with a gun on Gemma, uh, decides, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense and is going to let her go. Uh, But before she walks out, she goes, hey, catch, and throws the gun she used to kill uh, um, Cameron's kid at her, which, of course, she catches. Uh, So now she's stuck, essentially. And then says... Edmund Hayes. Yeah, and then says, nope, you're not going anywhere, actually. Um, Zobel, in the meantime, who's been waiting for his daughter this whole time, essentially learns that she's dead. uh, And is like, well, I guess it's time to go. And so, yeah, he essentially gets out of town scot-free. was a little annoying, actually. Yeah. We also meet another member of the Sons of Anarchy from the... What is he? Washington? Tacoma chapter, I think. Yep. Kozik. Kozik. I like Kozik. Yeah, Kozik seems like a good guy. You know the other thing we glossed over? So at the end of the church hit... We get... No, we that's, glossed that's over a couple three. things. That's three, isn't it? Season three opens with the church hit? Not the... the, the uh, yeah, because we, we didn't talk about Sack. Yeah, we that haven't talked about Sack that that happens the season at the beginning of season three, I think, is when I, the thing I'm thinking of happens. Probably, um, but we did gloss over a couple things too, and that is, um, in order to bring keep bringing guns into the country, um, uh, Lynn, the the Asian crime boss, reaches out to the sons because they need guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, Sam Crow's like, "We can't help you because we got no pipeline right now," and uh, Henry Lynn is like, "Well, we do, but." we need a judge to let him out of jail. And if you do that, then he can bring us our guns and we'll supply you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the trade for this was hilarious because they're like, okay, we want you to sell us guns in exchange. We'll give you Chucky back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved that. Who's now missing all of his fingers, except for his index fingers on each hand, because Chucky, and I don't think we talked about Chucky from season one. We very briefly, or maybe I was just texting about it. But, but Chucky, Chucky has um, a uh, involuntary masturbation problem. Yeah, so that's how you're introduced to him. Essentially, he's talking, and then all of a sudden, he's just <laughs> hands down his pants, going full bore. You know, um, and that happens all the time. So I guess the Chinese got sick of that shit, and they just cut his fingers off. Yeah. And Chucky's like fine with it. He's wearing his cool little one finger gloves, and he's like, yeah. "Oh well, this solved my problem." You know, but I accept blah. that. I accept that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chucky's one of my favorite characters in the in the TV show. <laughs> he really is. Um, I hated him the first time around. I was like, "Oh, well, this is an interesting throwaway character." Okay, fine. Well, and then he comes back. But no, he's he's funny every time after that. I love I love him. And there's a couple dynamics we haven't really talked about. We haven't talked about Otto Delaney at all in either in either of these episodes either. 
So Otto is the, um, we mentioned Luann, who was the owner of the porn business. She was an old lady of the member of the club. That's Otto. Otto's in jail right now, serving time essentially to protect the club. And he was almost due for parole he until was. the first season when he fucked up Agent Stahl. Yeah. Um, so on this this one, I think Stahl is basically trying to trick Otto into giving up. Or was that last season? It was season one. They were trying to trick him yeah. into giving up any information so they could go after the club with Rico. And that's when he beat her up, which basically yep. invalidated any deal he'd made. But she'd already signed off on, on uh, Luann's release because she was in, in jail at yeah, the time. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh and the the thing about it is is he sacrifices himself for the club whenever it's necessary but he kind of ends up getting fucked over more and more yeah um Luann ends up banging Bobby yep. because he catches her trying to steal money from the club yep uh, so that's the other thing worth noting um Otto is not like you know a little mild infatuation with Luann like he loves Luann like, like they're married and shit they're married and it's like a legit like real like love yeah. love sort of thing like he has the club protect her basically as much as they can because she used to be a porn actress mm-hmm. and he wants more than anything for her to not have to go back to that life if she gets pushed out of the porn business or anything else right. so um she's pretty important to him yeah um she ends up dying throughout the course of season two because of uh, Tom Arnold, yeah, and and retaliation. But uh, the other interesting thing to note about Otto is it's actually the series creator and and head writer Kurt Sutter. Oh, is it? It is. I did not know. That's that. absolutely Kurt Sutter. That so that's funny because um, who's this... who's married to Gemma in real life? <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, so the other thing that's interesting about that is, uh, so when you meet Otto, he's got one fucked up eye, like there's a yep. scar across his eye and I don't think he has any vision out of that eye. No. Uh, and then of course through, um, the whole dealings with the, um, Aryan brotherhood, he gets, uh, the shit kicked out of him in, in, in jail. Like that was one of the ways that Zobel tried to turn the screws to the club, um, gets the shit kicked out of him and then gets a broomstick to the other eye. Yeah. So, um, Otto, and you know, you think that I thought actually that was where we we that's the end of Otto, but he returns in a pretty big way in season four. Otto, he, is a he pops in and out. I think consistent presence for a while. Yeah. yeah, um, but he's important because he's actually why we have Chucky in the first place. He offered Chucky protection in in prison, and so when he got out, he sent the sons to go pick him up. So that the the Chinese yeah, wouldn't was, get him right away. That was back in the first season. Yeah, yeah. and in the first season and stuff. So there's a, a couple things we didn't talk about last episode. Um, but man, if if this hasn't enticed you to try and figure out what the fuck we're talking about by watching it yourself, I don't know what will. Yeah. Uh, this is I think uh, we do this a lot, but this is an indulgent conversation for us because I think we just want to talk about the show. Yeah. Well, I, I've been trying to get Eddie to watch this since we started doing this show, yeah. and now he's finally doing it, and I'm like, yeah, I can talk about it. Yeah. Um. So as the season ends, though, we see Cameron being super upset because he thinks that Gemma killed his kid, um, and his only means of retaliation is kidnapping Jax's son, Abel. Yeah, and that's where we leave. Like, there's we're left waiting from season two to three to find out what happens. Um, and what happens, and we'll talk about this next week, um, is Eddie and I are going to follow Sam Crow to Ireland. the old land of Ireland. Yeah, yeah. the Emerald Isle. 
Yeah. Uh, otherwise known as the season that, season that annoys my wife the most because when I was watching it the entire time, uh, which was pretty much solidly, so for like a week, just it, it slip into and out of, you know, like the worst Irish accent, which doesn't make any sense because I am actually fairly Irish. Uh, accent, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's it for Sam Crow. We've got some comic books to talk about uh, right after our next beer. All right, so we are back with some comic books this week, and uh, like I mentioned before, we had the technical detail issues, and since I was too lazy to fix them uh, or, or you know actually do my homework, um, I only read a couple of books actually this evening, so we could talk about them tonight. Uh, one because I really wanted to that was Nightwing uh, Rebirth, and yeah, let's one, talk about that one first uh, because Matt was like, "Dude, you need to read this because it's really good," and that's uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps Rebirth. Okay, so with the Nightwing book. Uh, I guess I was kind of lukewarm on this because a I have almost none of the backstory because I've never read any Nightwing Nightwing books prior. Um, so you know I, my experience with Nightwing is basically as he pops into uh, you know whatever Batman continuity or whatever, or you know playing him as a character in um, Arkham, the Arkham games. Uh, so this book I was I wasn't completely lost on because there's some things that are obviously you know like you can be a new reader and get into but as far as you know his hit history and you know like one of the points is why he goes back to being Nightwing which a, I didn't know he stopped being Nightwing but why he goes back to Nightwing is because you know the shady organization I think the Parliament of Owls mm-hmm. has basically you know stolen that name from him in some method or another which I have no clue about so yeah um so there was an event that took place in Justice League that was um, essentially the crime syndicate showed up from um, one of the alternate Earths and they essentially brought chaos upon our new 52 reality. And uh, as, as the crime syndicate is wont to do. Yeah. And essentially what happened is throughout the course of that, Nightwing was captured and his identity revealed to the entire world. Oh, so at that point he stopped being Nightwing, and that's when they introduced the uh, Grayson book. Gotcha. Which I did not read. <laughs> I didn't. No, nothing. <coughs> also, didn't know when the Court of Owls got promoted to Parliament. Yeah, I think they very briefly cover that. Like, there's like one or two lines, and they're like, you know, we're not going to be the court anymore. We're you know bigger than that, or something like that. We're the parliament. We're going to go even darker. So they switch from white masks to black masks. Yeah. I'm sure there's some symbolism in there that I'm missing, um, or or you know some story in there that I'm missing from you know whatever. But yeah, apparently we got the parliament of vowels now, which is Nightwing's you know main foil. It seems like. Yeah, my thing is is I enjoyed the book. As much as I kind of knew some of the backstory, um, but there were other pieces of the backstory that I did not know. Um, and as much as I liked the the book overall, they forgot one rule. And especially with a title like Rebirth, and that rule is every comic book is somebody's first comic book. And... I don't know if I'm a new reader, if I've never read a comic book and this is, and I picked this one up because I figure this is where things start new again. I'm like, okay, but what happened? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, and I think that's a thing that a lot of the other rebirths and the other rebirth book we're going to talk about tonight, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, I also don't know the backstory for Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Like I, I have a vague knowledge of what happened leading up to this in the same way that I have a vague knowledge of, you know, Nightwing in general. Uh, but that to me seemed a lot more accessible as somebody kind of, you know, jumping into the Green Green Lantern 
uh, a little bit more uh, than I have in the past. So I've read some Lantern books, but it's not been you know, like Matt. Matt is definitely our resident Green Lantern in chief uh, um, fan here, um, but I haven't really read that uh, consistently for a, a while. So. Um, that book was a lot more accessible to me as a relatively new reader. As somebody who's really never read any Nightwing stories and, and things like that, I, I didn't have a half an idea what was going on with most of this stuff. So that to me was a little bit, uh, or probably the rocky part of this book. Like I'm, I'll keep going because I'll presumably I'll pick it up because, like you said, everybody some some uh, every book is someone's first book. So you know, as you read a couple of issues, you kind of pick up on it pretty quick. But I thought as a rebirth title, this was a little bit weak because I thought there was a little bit too much stuff uh, that they they focused on um, that you probably did not have a lot of knowledge about. Yeah. Also, also given that, um, I can't imagine that Nightwing is one of their more popular titles. Actually, um, with the new 52, uh, Kyle Higgins was writing it. And so he took over at the onset of the new 52, writing the Nightwing book. And it was really good. Yeah. Um, tied directly in, he was working directly with Scott Snyder on the court of owls part of it. Also on the death of the family part of it. See, All I'm not saying um, that um, that I just I can't imagine that um, you know just from the outside somebody who's not super involved in comics generally speaking up until recently I don't think most people would know who Nightwing is so for I think Rebirth is doing a lot of things well for DC and one of it is bringing in a lot of new readers and I'm just saying if you're a brand new reader coming to the Nightwing book the first time I think this is a little bit too far into the deep end. Uh, uh, for that so. yeah and that's the thing and the next book we're going to talk about um, with Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps I think does exactly that in the right way versus Nightwing like Nightwing was super like involved and if you weren't familiar with the backstory you're just like I don't know what the hell's going on here yeah and you might not know what's going on in the Green Lantern world <coughs> excuse me <coughs> in the Green Lantern world but Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps does an amazing job of, and in very little verbiage, actually catching yeah, you up on where you need to be. Exactly. There's just enough exposition that you get where you need to be and you can kind of understand what the story is going on. But that's not really the focus. Like, this is what I liked about this as being a rebirth book. Like, they set up the antagonist, which appears to be um, uh, Sinestro and the Sinestro Corps. Uh, they give you a little bit of backstory on that, just enough. Again, not enough, but but the main focus of the book is really on Hal Jordan, and you don't all of the stuff with Hal Jordan. You don't need to have ever read Green Lantern before at right. all to have any clue what's going on, and you'll be fine. It tells you who the Green Lanterns are. It tells you who the Guardians were. Mm-hmm. It tells you what the core was all about. To some extent, it tells you who Sinestro is. It doesn't go into his backstory, but I mean, you you get the idea from that part. And it tells you where it wants to go. Yeah. From there. And so, um, there's not a lot of story to this book, I don't think. Um, but I actually really liked it, especially as a rebirth title, because it does a really good job of getting you acquainted with Hal. Like, it even gives it a little bit of his, you know, like character bio. Like, it is just enough of a origin story, but not so much that, like, um, if you've read a lot of Green Lantern books, that you're gonna be like, oh god, you know, like, like I said, Matt's read a ton of Green Lantern. He really enjoyed the book too. So it's not like a God. Is this another Spider-Man uh, origin story? Like everybody knows, great power, great responsibility. Blah 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 blah. So uh, it's not quite like that, um, but it does, it gives you just enough of your new reader. I think this is a, a 
really good jumping on point for that book. Yeah, to me, I'm not a super huge fan of where the Green Lantern comic books have been going for the last couple of years. So for me, this book, uh, the reason I liked it so much is because it really seemed like it is a step in the right direction. Like, this is the first book of where I think that the Lantern books need to go. And so it was really encouraging for me. Like, I'm not saying, like, this is the only Green Lantern comic you ever need to read. I'm just saying if you are going to read a Green Lantern comic book, this is a good place to start. And honestly, I hope it encourages you to go out and, and, and get some back issues and read some older stuff. Yeah, that was another thing. Like, there was just enough of a, of a tie-in with uh, Jessica Drew to the current... Uh, you know, because we, we've already heard, we've already read some Green Lantern stories. There's been other uh, Green Lanterns rebirth, I think, has already happened, mm-hmm. and we're on issue two or something like that now. Uh, it, we've had an appearance in the Justice League and so on and so forth. And you know, one of the things they set up in that book is where the hell are all the Green Lanterns? Mm-hmm. Like they call for help and nobody's there to answer, and what's going on? And so um, th- that this is where we get that story, or you know, where where did they all go? Is sort of uh, where they start in this story, which is. Yep, they're out there somewhere, and I got to go find them, and that's you know Hal Hal's mission right now. So yeah, and there's kind of an answer because there was I, I think the last Green Lantern Corps series was uh was it a, it wasn't Oblivion it was something else maybe it was I don't remember um it was a six issue series and uh, it, it it sets up where the Green Lantern Corps has been uh, I'm not sure how much exposition we're gonna get on that because I don't think it's gonna be very long until we see the rest of them rejoin Hal. Since the the title of the book is Hal Jordan the Green Lantern Corps, I assume they're going to make their appearance pretty quick. They don't yeah. in this issue. Um, spoilers. Yeah. But if we get fifty issues in and we still don't see the Green Lantern Corps, that would be a little awkward for the yeah. book to be titled that. But yeah, I, I figure within five issues probably we'll have a five, maybe six, something like that. We'll have a resolution and and you know find out where where the core is at. And um, I think we're gonna, I the Guardians back. In some fashion, because there's at least two left in Ganthet and and his lady friend mm-hmm. that we see in the in on what one panel? Yes, I think it was just one panel. So it's not. It's very short. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, I think they're turning Hal Jordan into a character that I can empathize with a bit more than the old school Hal Jordan, who's kind of a tortured soul with no real. Um, anchor in reality nothing to align himself with these last few pages and panels um in in this book really kind of made him seem like they're turning into uh fucking malcolm reynolds from firefly like he really is like it's been a while since i've caused some mischief it's so funny that you mentioned that because that is exactly the way i read that i was like well that's fucking nathan fillion's voice which is makes perfect sense because he's played green lantern before fillion does the voice in in uh, a couple of the justice league and and uh, animated animated properties um fillion's done the voice for hal so that's perfect because yeah i read that line in exactly (laughs) i am to cause some mischief yeah it's been too long yeah um so there's that and you know like i mentioned like I, I really like uh, it's a little bit tropey this first issue which I think is fine it's it, it is the first issue it is you know designed to gain new readers and stuff like that but <coughs> it is a trope trope that I'm a super big sucker for which is you know sort of the um, you know like it's almost like the workout montage before the team goes to kick some ass sort of thing yeah and that's that 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 is in this is taking the form of how uh, forging his own 
lantern ring which is amazing yeah so good um um and i think he says something like this is a little bit different because it's my will like this is purely out of my will uh which you know if you've not had any familiarity with the green lantern at all uh the green lanterns essentially get their power through the power ring and the main driving force behind the power ring is will your your own willpower um and so that's one of the things that makes hal jordan the you know the green lantern that probably uh you know there's there's a reason we got a green lantern movie with hal jordan and that's because he is sort of the guy for willpower in the universe you know in a lot of cases if if i can expound on that a little bit um take it away what's amazing so Green Lantern kind of got made fun of quite a bit uh, throughout the Silver Age because it was Hal Jordan and he had his ring, but he was weak against anything that was yellow. Um, yeah, actually, they had to retcon this a little bit because when it started off, it was literally just he was weak yellow. against the color yellow. Yeah. Do not come at him with a shiny number two <clears throat> or he will fuck you Or a up. school bus or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um. So what's crazy is when they kind of got to the end of Hal Jordan's initial run as, as Green Lantern um, and they wanted to introduce new blood into it in the nineties, what they thought the best thing to do would be to get rid of Hal Jordan and the rest of the core and focus on one lantern in particular. Um, that lantern ended up being Kyle Rayner, mm-hmm. who's one of my favorite lanterns. Cause that's kind of when I came into my, my own when it came to comic books, but uh, his ring was a special ring. Like they, Jordan went crazy, killed the rest of the core, killed the Guardians, all except for one whose name is Ganthet. Ganthet kind of made one last ring, and this ring had no no apparent weaknesses whatsoever. No yellow, uh, no nothing. The original rings needed to be charged every 24 hours. Kyle Rayner's didn't. He could use it until it ran out, and then he needed to recharge it, but it wasn't on a time frame. <coughs> And that was fine uh, for a while, but then when they introduced the um, reintroduced Hal Jordan through Rebirth the first time uh, via Jeff Johns, Jeff Johns kind of took some things um, and made them make sense. Like the the weakness against yellow um, wasn't because yellow is a bad color. Yellow is essentially um, the color in the spectrum that's associated with fear. In much the way, the same way that uh, green is associated with will. Right. Did we really go all the way till Johns before they got to that? Johns introduced the entire idea of the color spectrum with red being rage and green being will. Jesus and... Christ! I thought that happened uh, like end of the Silver Age sort of thing. No, no, Johns engineered that all. Two thousand four, I think, somewhere it, around there. It took until two thousand four before somebody was like, "Well, that's dumb." Yeah, let's make some sense out of this. Yeah. Okay. So, um. When when Hal Jordan in in this particular Rebirth comic is is hammering out his own ring and talking about how this ring is going to be just a little bit different, um, this is not the first time we've seen a different ring. Kyle Rayner had a very different ring from the original one, um, and they kind of that was cool because they actually got to play around with some stuff. Um, for example, Rayner ended up um, meeting Hal Jordan from the past. Hal Jordan somehow got propelled from the past into the future. <coughs> or the present, if you will. And uh, his ring had the ability to duplicate itself. So if the bearer could duplicate another ring and essentially deputize another lantern on the spot if need be, Kyle's couldn't, Kyle, or at least he didn't know how. 
is that I think that happens at the beginning of the New Fifty Two run, except for it's Sinestro that doesn't. Sinestro deputizes a ring for yeah Hal. Yeah, you know, only he doesn't give it the full capability. Like he just no. he totally makes it to where Hal has to be his puppet in order yeah. for him to it's use like, it. You're gonna do my bitch work now. Yeah. yeah. So um, the rings are are they are rings and they are yes based on willpower and stuff like that. But there's a little bit more involved in it. Um, obviously there's there's other things in the works the guardians or the original creator of the ring or whoever it is so i'm excited to see where this is going with with hal's new ring because i mean we've never seen hal do this kind of thing before yeah it is it is a very like there's a lot of possibility with this and and they specifically said like i i don't remember the exact line but he's saying like the my old ring you know is like a way to deliver my willpower through the ring like this ring is my willpower like yeah and he so, talks about the guardians talking about how they were the only ones with the yeah, um, with could, enough power to to forge a green lantern ring and he's like i'm surprised it took me this long to prove him wrong yeah it's like and and that's i think just about the end of the book because that's where he goes yeah. you know like it's about time for me to be causing some more mischief you know yeah so um yeah, I'm excited for this. Like, uh, th- this, this, I'm hooked on issue one, so I cannot wait to see what the next issue of uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps brings us. Um, if 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 he uses like the term across the verse in the next <laughs> issue, I'm probably gonna have to go finish myself off before I can finish reading the book. Uh, that's all I'm saying. It, yeah, no, I, that's fair. Um, it, would it be wrong if we brought like I mean obviously Nathan, Nathan would probably have to have to bulk up for a little while but would, but would it be wrong if we brought him in as a, an older Hal Jordan? He could be the elder statesman Hal Jordan like we saw in the Silver could. Age. I think he could. Somebody. I don't even think he'd have to bulk up that big. No, well, I mean, he, I mean not really bulk up, but uh, I don't think this is true anymore. But like during his castle run, he gained some weight. <coughs> Oh, he might have to trim trim himself. Yeah, a little bit. I said bulk up, but that's not what I meant. But uh, like, I don't think he. Uh, no offense, Mister Fillion, because I'm like your biggest fan, but he would need to trim a little to get into the suit, sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, just, but his yeah. run as Captain Hammer and Doctor Horrible sing along blog. I mean, come on. Uh, yep, I'm just saying, like, he would make a very good Hal Jordan. I mean, obviously, he's got the uh, the voice. You know, he's already been a voice, and I think he got the character pretty well in that. Uh, but I think he could definitely be a, a slightly older Hal Jordan. Like, in fact, if you were to do a fucking Hal Jordan in the Green Lantern Corps movie, uh, that would be that would be a solid pick for Hal Jordan. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, here's my thing, man. I'm kind of pissed off that they brought the uh, Parallax entity into the first. Do they just not acknowledge that anymore? Is that not considered part of of canon anymore? I assume it's not, right? Like, because the the first movie in canon for the new DC universe would be Man oh, of Steel, I, I assume, right? Got it. Yeah, I'm pretty positive. Like, I think they intended it to be Green Lantern, and then when it was so abysmal, they were just like, "Well, fuck it, we'll start over." And then Man of Steel is going to be the first like a uh, official DC CU movie. Yeah, they kind of have to. Yeah, there's no way. Uh, <coughs> especially because they really fucked up like with bringing Parallax and Sinestro and all that shit in. Well, and the way they did Parallax was just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, we didn't need to know who Parallax was or what Parallax was or anything like that until they, later. Yeah. Because it would have been awesome to see a, um Emerald Twilight movie. It, besides that, I think, as much as I think of um Parallax, you know, being a big Green Lantern villain... I kind of think of Sinestro as the Green Lantern villain. Like maybe I'm wrong. I don't because I don't have a whole lot of history with the character like you do. I mean, but, kind of, but 
that's the thing is like I'm not even so sure after reading this rebirth book that he's gonna be the big bad. I mean, I've, the Sinestro Corps for all that Sinestro boasts about and talks about how whoa they just weren't fit for this and now we're we've yeah. taken over and whatnot. A, he doesn't even technically lead the Sinestro Corps anymore. His daughter does, and his daughter's a former Green Lantern. He actually kidnapped her from the Green Lanterns and removed her ring before she could be whisked away to the uh, past like the rest of the Lantern Corps has. Mm. And I'm giving a little bit away here, but again, I don't know where they're going to go in the future for this, so this might not even be Mm -hmm. reality anymore, but... um, and he's old. Like I don't know what he. I don't know what he's expecting to get from from the yeah. parallax entity at this point, or if he if it'll even succeed. But like, the Sinestro Corps are not necessarily bad guys. They deal with things in a different way than Green Lanterns would, um, and they do use fear to their advantage. Um, but kind of their main point right now is establishing themselves as a galactic police force. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I can't wait to see where this book goes. Yeah, I'm excited about it. This is, I I've been pretty lukewarm toward the Green Lanterns book. I think that's pretty easy to be because, um, you know, Baz has a little bit of history. Like he he's relatively, uh, you know, a baby in the continuity. only since the New Fifty Two. Yeah, so for yeah. me, I'm just and, like and Jessica no. even less so. Jessica's been around for you know what you know is basically a couple of issues at this point. So, um. Probably slightly more, but still. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, like the, the next youngest would be Kyle Rayner, I think. And Kyle Rayner has been around for 20 years or something. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. So, um, I mean, so much so. I mean, it's it's funny because they actually make a joke. Like, why don't we get so many Green Lanterns out of this sector? Uh, yeah. Anyway, lots of places they could go with this. And I think we'll both be sticking around for this book. So that, I think, is our show for this week, folks. If you like the show or did not like the show or whatever, you can find us in a variety of places. We are at Whatevery Show on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Whatevery Show. We've got email, if that's your thing, questions at whatevery.co. Uh, I guess we'll have to sign up for like a Snapchat and like all that stuff, too. My daughter tells me this thing is this musically thing is like a big deal. Um. But do we have to take pictures of our dicks if we're on Snapchat? Because I thought that was kind of a prereq. I don't know if you have to, but I I do think it, it's like a faux pas if you don't. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll just post pictures of other people's penises. Oh, yeah. With capes. Is this like is this our segue into the porn business? Maybe. <laughs> oh, dickswithcapes.com. Yeah. Register that right now. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, if you want to tell us exactly why this is a bad idea individually, I am at Charles E. Smith on Twitter and Matt. At the brutal one. Yeah. B-R-E-W-T-A-L-O-N-E. Yep. That's the show this week. We will see you later. Bye. Bye.